0: Hawks Hawks, Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer.
1: Hawks live every Thursday right here from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock on 17 ESPN. It's been a while, Paul, but we are back in action. The folks had a couple of weeks off, but now they got to deal with us again.
0: They've been depressed. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I I got a lot of people saying, when are you guys back on? You guys yeah. said at least, hey, if you're not gonna be on Thursday night, then be on during the day. During the day. And I said, look, I don't uh they don't they don't ask me.
1: They don't I ask. Just, hey, hey, we just show up. We do. They tell us to be here at Lumen, and now we are here at Lumen. And we're talking football. And Lumen? Was
0: talk- that the first time you said that?
1: Uh, on air, yes. Yeah. On air, yes. Because it uh,
0: was CenturyLink before that.
1: When I was playing, it was Quest and now Link. But now it's Lumen. So that's what we're going to call it, Paul Moyer. And we get to talk about... An eight and three football team who went to Philly and got it done. At one point in the game, it looked like it might be what? What was the, the score? Nineteen to, to seven or something crazy like that. That two games in a row. Seventeen that was the score? to nine. Yeah, seventeen to nine. That's what it looked like was going to be, but it ended up twenty three to seventeen. And a big reason for that offensively was DK Metcalf, and defensively it was just a defense. They, In a hole
0: by by far their best game, yeah. And, and actually, they've been playing better. I would even say the last three and a half games. You know, we talked about this on the, the pregame on uh, on Sunday. You know, and now spilling over to this last game. Their last three and a half games, if you take the second half against Buffalo, yep. and, and got the Rams, Arizona, and Philly, uh, they're giving up 297 yards a game. If you if you took that second half and and averaged it out to, for an actual game, so they are playing much better, and and against good teams. Someone said, "Well, is it the the opponents?" I go. Well, the Rams are a top-10 offense. Arizona was the number-one offense. Buffalo is a very good offense. The only one that really was struggling was Philly. And we took care of business. And it was still Philly. If you go and look at their points and – uh, yards, it's particularly through three quarters, is the worst they they've been all year. So you know, while they were struggling, we we made them struggle even more. I, I like what we're doing. It, I feel like we're having fun again. Yeah, it, it, it was not fun those first you know seven games, six games of the year. You know, you're you're on a historic pace for the worst defense in the history of the NFL, and they've righted that. Matter of fact, uh, if not for that last drive, we wouldn't even be dead last in defense right now, which I said would be hard to do for us to pull ourselves out of that hole, because you know when you're giving up over 500 yards the first three or four games of the year, that's a tough hole to climb out of. So I think we're back to what we thought we were going to be. We're healthy. You got Griffin. You got Jamal, who now knows his role. We got Dunlap. A um, lot of good moving pieces. You got Jordan Brooks, the Rookie who's, no. who's playing well, and Bobby Wagner. I mean, the last couple of games, I thought this last game, even though the 49er game early in the year, he made some plays in the sacks, I actually thought this was his best game of the year.
2: Yeah,
1: and it, turnover, digs, turnover in yep. the red zone. If there wasn't a turnover in the red zone, that would have been 18 straight games that the Hawks did not get a turnover. In the red zone. So that was nice to see Diggs. Wow! I would like to see him get his ad read on and and scurry on out that end zone and take it 100, 200, three yards. But he, he took the knee. He did the smart thing. But it's nice to see this defense offensively, D.K. Metcalf, man. I mean, look, they say, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take our best corner. He's going to follow you. We're going to press you early. What they do, D.K. DK hit him with a couple slants. By the third series, Slay was then playing six yards off. But also in that first series, Slay got a personal foul. One of their defensive linemen got a personal foul. Cheap shot too. Yeah, that that, that was horrible. Was, that was, DK has a target on his back, and it's just because he's balling. Like what? I, I think he makes DBs insecure, Paul.
0: Well, he's a big man. He might make me insecure back <laughs> in the day. Well, we didn't face anybody that big. Mean, he's 6'4", four, whatever. You know, probably close to 6'5", Two hundred and they say he's two hundred and thirty six, thirty seven pounds. I mean, he looks bigger than that to me. You know, the, comparing him obviously to to Calvin Johnson back in the day. Calvin had nineteen hundred yards, I think, his sixth or seventh year in the season, which is is remarkable. Yeah. I, I'm ask you this because you know I watched DK, and you know he's. As great as he is, man he gonna get better, yes, he', he is. gonna get better he ran a a, a slant and go. I go, yeah, he's gonna get better in that right I didn't sell it very well at times he gets a little i don't i don't i don't know if the right word's lazy, I just say he doesn't get his hands in the right position and he drops some easy ball. He dropped one in the end zone uh would have been an easy touchdown um so what is it is, is, everybody knows he's fast, yeah. But he doesn't necessarily look that fast until you watch him haul down um, Buddha Baker mm-hmm. or you watched him run by Slay who you go who could flat out run, right? And he's just pulls away it's effortless is it because you think people it's deceptive speed they think oh i got this i'm i'm in a good cushion yeah i think it's i think it
1: comes down to a stride cuz you look at a big man's stride he's eating up 5 yards every stride and a half or as a guy like me 5'11 it's going to take me 3 two-and-a-half to eat up that five yards. So when you look at it, it looks like he's not moving that fast until he gets up on you. You know, it's kind of like a like a fastball. It doesn't look like it's coming in hot and then it blows by. You're like, okay, I got to respect that. And I think that's what it is with DK. It looks effortless. So his body language says he's not moving that fast. But then when you feel him, you're like, okay, I got to get on my horse. And that's what happened to Slay. There was a the first big play. Was it the first drive? I think it was the first drive. Well,
0: there was a couple. The, the, well, the biggest play was the fourth drive, third drive, whatever it was, and it was a third down play, and they blitzed. Went up top. And, yeah, yeah they, they, the, I think the free safety misplayed it, he dropped down looking for a uh, tire locking on a deep cross. But I think he also thought, eh, Slay's got this. Mm-hmm. He, he great corner. He, he was on the upfield shoulder, and then he wasn't.
1: They don't believe it. All right, so your DB safety, you've done this, right? I feel like defenses don't believe in DK at this point. Now, if you are on the other end, second year, he's got he got what twenty seven games under his belt. Are you buying what he's selling at this
0: point? Well, considering Calvin Johnson is considered one of the greatest, and I I I, I never want to say someone's the greatest. He's he's one of the top five greatest wide receivers of all time, certainly statistically. He's crushing him the first two years. DK is. Yeah. He's got more yards, more catches, more TDs. Um, he's you know he still got a long way to go to catch some of his uh, Calvin Johnson's best years. I I don't I don't think anybody uh, underestimates him. It's sometimes you underestimate speed mm-hmm. until it's there. And I, I'll give you one example. We were playing Philadelphia. Back really? a long time ago, probably before you were born. And <laughs> i to do the math on that one. And we were playing them, and we're up by six points. There's a minute left. Eugene Robinson and I were playing the, the, the deep safeties. And Randall Cunningham is scrambling around. Now, Randall's one of the few guys who can run towards the sideline and flick the ball 75, 80 yards. Yeah. Kenny Jackson is running down the middle. He was one of the fastest wide receivers at the time. I Eugene and I both have a a nice cushion, five yards. You know, when I'm in motion, there's not a lot of guys that are going to outrun me by five yards back then man, Austin, the ball was in the air and now it's past 60 yards. Now it's past 65 <laughs> yards. And I, we just underestimated that. Okay. She's not only super fast. I mean, he, he would beat us by five or six, seven yards in a hundred yard dash. And I just think that's where, where DK is is they look at him. They go, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. He's strong. Um, he runs good slant routes. I just don't think you can appreciate the speed until you're actually live against it. Until and then it. they start, that's where the cushions start to come in. Yeah. And uh, look, I think the Seahawks are going to get so much better. Uh, so let me flip this way. We, we all, all right. know what DK's doing. Okay, right, it's look he's he's going to break Steve Largent's record most yards in uh, a season. I mean, that's I man, you're talking about a Hall of Fame. We're we're here in the Verizon Lounge and we're looking up at the Ring of Honor and there's Steve Largent way over there and he, you know all, every record imaginable that you know DK if he stays healthy with the Seahawks going to break. Um, but what's going on with Tyler? I mean, it's been. DK one game, tile of the next. DK one game, tile of the next. This is the first time where you know that didn't switch. And uh, I felt like they, they they were jamming him a little bit you know, and, and maybe frustrating. You
1: know what it is, Paul? What? All small, us small guys, we got to work harder, baby. <laughs> you come down and press us. It's, 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 we're in the same weight class. You know what I mean? You look at Slay. Slay was pressing DK to start the game. Then he started backing up, backing up, backing up. When you line up against 16, you look at him, you go, okay, I'm going to get all up in his kitchen. I'm going to make a sandwich. He's not going to do nothing about it. So I think when it comes to man, that favors DK. You, it comes to zone. That favors Lockett, and like you mentioned off-air, we're going to see a bit more zone against the New York Giants. So maybe this is the game that Lockett reasserts himself into this offense.
0: This will be a, a an interesting game. The Giants, who are 4-7, and seven, uh, they're still fighting for the NFC East You know, lead. They did lose their quarterback, Jones, which is going to hurt him a lot. He's very mobile guy. I mean, he, way more mobile than I even anticipated. And, you know, you got Colt McCoy that none of us knew was still in the league is going to be the quarterback this week but it's going to be a, a it's going to be a patient game uh, that we haven't seen in a while for our offense because they run a true shell, cover two, a lot of cover two, soft cover two also. They don't have their corners up jamming the whole way. So they're keeping everything underneath, and they're going to make you go 10, 11 plays. Uh, so it can be a lot of Russell to be very patient. It'll come eventually, yeah. but maybe the first quarter 2 you, are not going to get that big explosive play.
1: All right, got to be patient. Me and Paul have been patient for two weeks, we but we're been. back we're now. back. Baby, we're back. All right, coming up next, we'll get an opponent preview from Paul Schwartz right here on Hawks Live. Hawks
0: Live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Hawks Live every Thursday, right here from Lumenfield at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. This music's from the '80s, Paul. you should know this, Paul. It's Look, from you, the know, 80s. you know, in you used it, to pop lock, didn't you? Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. You know who might pop lock? Paul Schwartz. He's got a good first name. Paul, how you doing, man?
3: Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How's everything there? You ready for a uh, battle of first-place teams on
0: Sunday? <laughs> we, we are, man. By the way, thanks for staying up, man. I know it's late for you back east, and, and uh, thanks for joining us. It is kind of weird, though, that we are two first-place teams. We, we played one last week, sort of, in Philadelphia. And you forget, they're playing for first place, and it's not like they guys are just walking out for practice. So we, we expect a tough game. What about you?
3: Well, um, you know, I would expect a slightly tougher game if uh, Daniel Jones could play. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, look, Daniel Jones is not Russell Wilson, but as you guys know, starters are starters for a reason. Backups are backups for a reason. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the Giants, you say they're 4-7. and seven. They should be battling to, what, stay out of last place? but. The NFC East is what it is, so um, I think it adds a little something down the stretch i 've covered the Giants for a lot of years, and the last three years uh, December, these games were not meaningful. They were playing out the string, they were playing in empty buildings, and you know when they played uh, another team in a division, they had twenty thousand 000- fans from the other team there obviously we don't have fans unfortunately at all this year but um you know these are meaningful games there's playoff uh, implications so it, it adds something to it but
1: we do have to remember it's still a 4 and 17 still a 4 and 17 but you got some ballers over there blake martinez he's leading the league or one of the league leaders when it comes to tackles what have you seen out of this guy so far
3: you know what? This has been a tremendous free agent class. Dave Gettleman, the uh, uh, general manager, gets some heat for some of the things he's done, but he signed James Bradbury, who's been terrific. He signed Blake Martinez, who's been you know, it's kind of interesting, guys, because very rarely – I'm not a big believer in you sign guys and kind of, like, import a leader. You know, I think leaders have to be developed. This guy walked in and became a leader, and he did it through Zoom, which is, like, virtually impossible. He's among the lead leaders and tackles. He just gets it. He and the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, they work together a little bit in Green Bay. They are, like – Thing one and thing two. You know what I mean? They have the they have one mind and they just share it. Um, everything the coordinator wants, Blake Martinez gets. So he is the classic inside linebacker. Set the defense up. And he can make plays. Um, he's a really good player, and they—they um, they, uh, think they got a steal for 10 million bucks a year for Blake Martinez. He didn't exactly fit with the scheme in in Green Bay, but he's perfect in uh, with the Giants. If if this was a normal year and he could hold court at his locker, I think he'd be a big star. Um, maybe that's coming next year.
0: You know, the, the there's been a few special team coaches. Obviously, Harbaugh being one of them, very successful head coaches. You know, Joe Judge. I'm you know, it was a surprise hire, and and, and maybe his toughness nowadays, you know, got uh, overblown. But you know, just talk about that transition, and you know, has everybody bought into his system and and his leadership? You know, whatever I don't want to say ability, but his type of leadership. You
3: know, I think this special teams thing, I think it's very interesting because, you know, I don't like when you watch these head coaches, right? And they got their head buried in, especially the offensive guys, right? They got their head buried in that laminated sheet in front of them and they're looking up and they're calling the plays and they're radioing in. And I'm thinking to myself, can you put your eyes up and watch the whole darn game? You know, get a feel for the game. Joe Judge has never been an offensive coordinator. He's never been a defensive coordinator. He doesn't have his... His, his eyes or his hands locked on anything. He's watching the game. He's coaching the game. Now, you've got to have a good coordinators to do that, and he, I think he does. Um, he's good. I, I think he's done a good job so far. Yeah, he, he's a disciplined, tough guy. He's not Bill Belichick. You know, he's not trying to be. Uh, a lot was made of the, uh, you know, the laps he made the guys run in training camp. Was Way too much was made out of that. I think these guys bought in big time. Look, they've won three straight after a rough start.
1: Yeah, Paul, these guys are battling. And when I watch film, another guy who I see battle is Evan Ingram. I think that if he was on a different team, he'd get a lot more love. What do you see out of Ingram? You know what I see? And what you just said, I see that you're not in New York.
3: (laughs) You're you're not in New York. He is not not the apple of these fans' eyes. You know, don't forget he was a first-round draft pick. He had a really good rookie year. He's been a tease. Uh, he's had some injury problems. Uh, he dropped a pass earlier this year against the, the Eagles that would have clinched the game for the Giants. Just a beautiful floater right in his hands. So uh, you're right. He had a big game last week, but he also was stripped for a fumble. So Giants fans are very mixed on him. They, they When you mention Evan Engram's name, it's like, Oh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, he, he, he he doesn't show enough. He's talented, but he's not a winner. So, um, fans here have issues with him. I can see that is a that is a Seattle point of view, and it's not the wrong point of view. I'm just saying that's a fresh set of eyes looking at a guy who's got a lot of talent, but in New York, in New Jersey. People have some
1: issues with him. Hey, well, Paul, you let those New Yorkers know when they're done with them, we'll gladly take him here in Seattle. <laughs> he's got a job. Out I, there.
0: Look, I don't know. I had him on my fantasy football team two years in a row, and he, um, he's a killer. She, no.
1: Yes, that's that's
3: guys in New Jersey, guys in New York, and guys in Seattle who have him on their fantasy teams are not happy with it. That's all
0: mine, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's been some disappointment. But when you watch him on. Film. I mean, he's he he does pop. I mean, he's he's a he's a tough matchup. Uh, as you mentioned, he's he's a skilled guy that uh, probably has underperformed injuries, all that stuff. You
3: know, he what- also, by the way, he is a great guy. He was mm-hmm. a he was a tough stand-up guy as a rookie. You know, I'm not in a position where you're supposed to root for guys. I root for Evan Ingram because he is a class act he's a gentleman he doesn't have a big ego you, you want those guys to do well and he is talented so maybe he can put it all together
0: you, you lose Jones you lose Barkley you know we mentioned a couple guys who are are good players and again they, you guys, Giants have lost some tough games we, we were watching the film uh, earlier today and we go god they're sound you know you, you got to go beat them but talk about some guys maybe that uh, our listeners don't know anything about that are, are having good years
3: uh, let's see. Well, I mentioned Bradbury. You know, I mean, I guess your listeners know a little bit about him. You know, I don't think he got a lot of publicity in Carolina, but he's to ter- look. He's getting sixteen million a year, right? They 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 didn't go on the cheap for him. They paid him big money. Uh, he's terrific. I mean, can he hang with DK Metcalf, snap for snap? Well, Darius Slate couldn't last week. Probably not, but uh, he's pretty good. You know, he's, he's probably right at a pro bowl level. Um, you know, the guy, one guy who's been very polarizing in New York, Leonard Williams, first with the Jets and now with the Giants. Um, you know, he's on a $16 million franchise tag. He's been terrific. Six sacks, leads the team. He's in a salary drive here. He's good against the run. A good, solid player. can make plays. And uh, there are two safeties. Jabril Peppers, the guy from the Browns part of the Odell Beckham trade Logan Ryan who was uh, with the uh, Titans was with the Patriots was unemployed for most of the offseason till the Giants sign him he is another one of those guys instant leader smart the two safeties are smart sharp guys and so uh, you know that's on defense and offensively I think Their offensive line is getting better. You know, watch Andrew Thomas, the uh, number four pick, the left tackle from Georgia. He had a rough debut in the NFL. He's getting better and better. I think he's going to be a really solid player.
0: There is one guy coming back. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Golden Tate. We're uh, we're interested yep. in to see him. Uh, we wish you could be here. This COVID thing sucks. And uh wish you guys were traveling and would have liked to have had a beer with you and talked a little more about uh, a couple of the players
3: to Seattle I've covered playoff games there I've covered Giants games there it's beautiful that facility with the the lake or the river running through it it's uh it's um yeah I mean it's what we do you are supposed to go to games you're not supposed to sit home and watch them but uh you know God willing next year we'll all be doing it right well Paul we
1: appreciate your time when I think of New York I think of taxi cab confessions and you just hooked us up with one right there man I appreciate you thanks for staying up late have a good one man Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right. Coming up next, we chat with Seahawks offensive back Ugo Amadi right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hey, hey Hawks Live right here
1: on 710 ESPN. We're broadcasting from Lumen, field me michael bumpus with my right hand man paul moyer let's not forget nasa Chobie on the ones and twos back there all right coming up next we got ugo Amadi. how you doing sir i'm doing good how about you i'm good man thanks for joining us this is the first question i want to ask you ugo you from nashville yeah. Tennessee? how did you end up at oregon <laughs> what got you to go to oregon man
4: Man, it's so funny you ask that because literally my teammate DJ Dow was asking me that after practice. But How'd you end up all always, always from Nashville, Tennessee? Well, uh, long story short, I had a, just a crazy recruiting process. i was committed to Ole Miss, uh, senior year of high school. Things didn't go out well with me and Ole Miss. I ended up whipping from Ole Miss. No, I ended up decommitting from Ole Miss and signing with LSU, John Chavis, and, um, Westmount came to my my house in my high school when I be committed from LSU. I mean from Ole Miss, and they came to my house and talked to me and they they gave me an offer and I committed there. And then after I committed, 24 hours later, uh, John Chambers took the DC job at A&M, and then I was like really stuck in between like what college I, I should go to because I'm already graduating high school early, so I'm at home at this point, and I'm just flipping through schools like Tennessee did want me. Um, and uh, that was going to be my option to go to. LSU didn't want me. We wanted to go to Tennessee. They were like, no, nah, we can't take you. And Then I started looking at the other doors and other teams, but I was already done with your class. And Then um, my trainer, you know, he texted uh, Jim Harbaugh's assistant at the time in Michigan, and he said, hey, I got this four-star DB in student program. Are you going to take him or give him an offer or a visit? And he gets a text back and says, oh, I'm not such and such, but I need to do these bad in this class. And that text message, I went to Oregon and not to Michigan. And that's how I ended up at Oregon, by what you say, by a mistake accident. <laughs>
0: Wait, so so you went to Oregon sight unseen, you never visited it and committed?
4: Never visited it. It was a sight unseen, like a blind date. They when I when I committed there, they sent me like a Twitter video of like what Austin Stadium looks like, and it was like you could move your phone and you could do like a whole 360. Like they sent me so many links to what the facility looked like, it was like crazy. It was like I was I fell in love through my phone. <laughs> yeah, they didn't show you downtown Eugene in that video, did they? Nah, no, Eugene, all facility, everything, bright colors, Jordan this, Mikey that.
0: <laughs> no, it, it it is often. Um a head scratcher for me. Bumpus went to Washington State. I went to Arizona State, which you should have went to by the way. Um and and, and my best friend went to Oregon and he always talks about Oregon. I've been to Eugene a million times. And I get the uniforms and I get the facilities but I go, man. They're not taking them down to downtown Eugene. There's, there's no way. I've never quite got the understanding of that part. But um, you know, it was a good choice for you because Lombardi Award winner. You know, uh, unbelievable. College, you know, career, and and now here at the Seahawks. I'll talk a little bit about Nashville still, because you know that is SEC country, which is amazing. I went to Nashville for the really the first time this year to visit it. I've been for football games and stuff, but um, that that place has grown up quite a bit. Is it is it changed since even you've been like in high school? Because that is a growing town.
4: Yeah, that place is still growing. Uh, downtown getting even bigger. You know, a lot of people are having the bachelorette party there in Nashville, and you know, last year we had the draft party there. So Nashville is definitely a place that people to come and visit. Even my DB coach Nick, he named his child after Nashville. His name is <laughs> his son's name is Nash because he had a fun time with his wife when they were in Nashville when he was during his playing days. So that just goes to show like how 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 such a good time you can have in Nashville. It
0: has become a little bit like Vegas, Broadway Street, and you know, with all the bars. Is, is there a, a favorite yeah. place for you there?
4: Um, I, I really would go to Broadway and like, since I've been coming back, when I left, when I started coming back in, uh, in college for my breaks, I would always go to the Gulch. The Gulch is like a really nice, like high end place where they have the restaurants. Like it's just a different scenery than the Gulch versus Broadway. <laughs>
0: okay. One last question before I let Bump ask you some football questions. I right. So, Cause Nashville is country. Now, I Mm -hmm. I know your favorite song is from Lil Baby, Freestyle. So country, (laughs) you got any country in you?
4: No, nah, no country in me at all, man. Okay. Nah, I know people people assume that, but, you know, I see why, so I can't blame them. But, no, nah, I heard the little baby playing, too. I, I, I thought it was my fault playing huh? music, but it wasn't. I, was like, I heard it. <laughs> By the way,
0: that was my pick for you. Just want you to know, not bumps, not uh, I NASA. I am taking the credit. There you
4: go. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's love. There hey, you go. hey,
1: Hey, Ugo, we're learning, Paul. We're learning him. You know, we're getting him right, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So he can hit okay. the block and hit the eye. He's going
4: <laughs> right. Yes sir. Each one to each one.
1: Hey man, so you played safety at Oregon. How how you feeling that nickel spot? You selling because 'cause you're looking good, man. I, I feel comfortable with you out there. You're always in the right spot, you're making the plays. How you feeling that nickel spot?
4: Um, I feel like I'm just I'm it's starting to grow on me. I'm starting to slow down my mind and you know, and be able to react to what I see and I feel like that's my strong suit. You know, whatever I see and I react like a thousand miles per hour. And that's pretty much is what's been getting me and putting me in good places. You know, just slow my mind down and let stuff just come to me.
0: It is, it is a jump, you know, that rookie year to your second year. Things seem to slow mm-hmm. down. But I, I've been watching you in coverage, and, you know, I, I've always thought you, you, know, you have the quickness. You know, you have the ball skills. Mm-hmm. You read the quarterback well. But what do you, what, are you more comfortable in man or zone?
4: Uh, I, I I really feel comfortable in both. To be honest with you, and I always, you know, you know, we're such a zone team. But I always prepare myself every week to play a lot of men. That's just me because I never wanted to be at all comfortable with just. Uh, I want to be able to do do everything, you know. So the coaches and my teammates can trust that uh, whatever call we make, you know. We'll be able to, you know, handle that, handle that situation.
0: You know, with Jamal Adams, uh, the trade, you know, and obviously you guys blitz a lot with him. Uh, You know, last week, Mm -hmm. you know, you guys played zone, you played man. I saw you guys uh, disguise some things where you dropped in the deep half a couple times. Uh, I don't know if you guys were zone blitzing it, but you dropped Jamal down, I think, and you went to the deep half. You guys, are you doing a lot more this year? Is Is it different for you than compared to last year defensively?
4: Yeah, we're definitely doing a lot more. We're definitely disguising. You know, this is coming from one way. Or you may think I'm blitzing, somebody else is blitzing, or I'm blitzing, somebody else may act like they're blitzing. So I feel like this year is definitely, you year know, we gotten like we got we gotten the chemistry down. Uh, we're starting to play play fast, and you know, we're just starting to be athletes, starting to be real bad players.
1: Hey, Ugo, one of the things that I appreciate about not having fans at the game is that I get to hear the chatter on the football field. And this defense, man, the last couple of weeks, the swag is different, man. I'm feeling it. I mean, does it feel different out there, you guys kind of finding your stride and figuring out who you are?
4: Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely find our swag. Um, you know, we just, we're still chopping the wood every week, you know. We, every week we have a reason to get better. We have something to work on to get better at, you know. And, you know, we're definitely coming along. Russian coaches is definitely coming together for sure.
0: You know, we we heard about we've all who played this game. We've had player meetings when things aren't going right. You have team meetings, and you know, a week ago, you guys had this accountability meeting. Um, mm-hmm. what, what did that mean to you? What what was? Uh, you can answer that if you want. Is that food? Oh no no no! You
4: good you good. Uh, <laughs> uh, account- what, accountability. What did that mean you? you know I me? Mean? You said you said what does it mean to us?
0: Yeah, what did it what mean it what means? did that meeting mean? What, why was why did Pete think that was a different meeting than ones he's he's been a part of?
4: Um, I feel like that, that meeting is uh, what do we need is what we needed. Um um it helped us, you know, come together, uh you know, what we need to work on and, and make sure that we can count on one another. You know, that's the biggest thing too. And uh I feel like that meeting was necessary and that's what we needed to do.
1: Ugo, you're one of the, the younger guys on the team, but you had a year without COVID. You had a year with COVID. Um, are you blessing these young guys with some knowledge of how to stay in? I mean, you're, you're at the age to where you still want to go out, you still want to do your thing, but you, you, you're required to be responsible right now. What's your role in this whole situation?
4: Uh, my role in this whole situation, especially talking to the rookies, you know, is just talking to them uh, how to handle themselves off the field. You know, it's different though because of COVID and everything. So you really have to protect the house. You know, you got to make sure uh, you could, uh bringing in those white people around you, you know, because we want to keep everybody, you know, COVID free, you know. And so far, we've been doing a good job at it. And, You know, the rookies. You know, um, they can always hit. They start, there's something called the rookie, the rookie block, where you know you, after a certain week, you know, the rookie starts slacking and all that stuff. But you can't do that because they're not used to playing two cost seasons and one in one season in the NFL. So you know, it's, it's just motivating them that and making sure they continue to pick up uh, where they started.
0: Uh, rumor has it your favorite movie is The Longest Yard, but I need to know because that's one of my favorite of all time. But it may be a different movie. Is it the original mm-hmm. or is it the one with Adam Sandler and the latest one? You know I, I had to have
4: Adam Sandler. You know it's crazy. And we were in Philadelphia. I watched that movie twice in one day right before the game. Did you?
1: <laughs> I love it.
4: But that's okay. a good
1: one. That's a good one, Ugo. Hey man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. And uh, 2 8 mm-hmm. man, get it done this weekend. We'll be rooting for you.
4: I uh, appreciate y'all for having me again. Thanks,
1: man. All right. Coming up next, we got you covered with all things Seahawks and the NFL. As a professor, John Clayton joins us next,
0: right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN, Seattle.
1: Hawks Live, every Thursday, 7 to 9, right here on 710 ESPN at Lumenfield. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moore. That's, what do we got? what do we have? That's Brickhouse playing in the background. There, we there Paul Brickhouse. We're getting funky, so you know we're going to John Clayton. Yeah, John, yeah. how you doing, man? I'm
2: doing funky good.
1: <laughs>
2: funky funky good, good, like it should.
1: Like. Oh, you got bars, John. We're gonna make you a rapper here sooner or later, John. I wouldn't mind that.
2: <laughs> hey, John. And um, by the way, I'm tight with Little Wayne.
1: Are you? Are you? How's well, that? not
2: really. It's like I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried to have him on uh, Schooled with a Professor, but he's you know, he always kind of having a little cigarette and uh, not getting a chance to call back. But back, back in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, I was walking out of the ESPN party, and there was this big disturbance in back of me. And I'm looking back, and it's like uh, Little Wayne is trying to jump a barrier, trying to get to me. And it's like, because uh, he was doing some interview stuff for ESPN, and so it's like he wanted me to come up there. And so it's like I did. We sat there, and you know, uh, everybody was walking by saying, "What's the geeky white guy doing with uh, <laughs> with Little Wayne?"
1: John, I'm gonna go on a limb and say that was not a cigarette he was smoking.
0: But
2: <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be polite
1: about it.
0: Let's and, get. And a- John, by the way, they call me the geeky white guy too. <laughs> so you're in good company.
1: Yes. All good. John. What are your thoughts on Trey Flowers? Now, he's filled in for Quentin Dunbar. I think he's done a good job. He held Hopkins to five catches, 50 yards. We didn't call his name much last week. Overall thoughts on Trey Flowers?
2: Yeah, I think he's done good because I think what they're doing is they're allowing him to go back to what he does the best, which is do some more man, you know, because he's good with his hands. He stays with the receiver, all those different things. And I think sometimes it gets a little bit messed up in zone. So I think the more man he plays, the better it is. I mean, I look at him as particularly with that big, long reach. Is being somebody that uh, you know can carry a guy from the line of scrimmage, you know, ten, fifteen yards downfield. And so I think the more they allow him to do that, the better. Now, what you worry about is that he's got the hamstring injury that's kept him out of practice the last couple of days, and so he may not be able to play. But you hope he does. But again, the key for this team right now is getting as healthy and as talented as they can for the Ram game, because again, they're taking on three more teams that they should be able to beat. But uh, you know, you don't want to lose too much because right now the secondary, particularly at cornerback, is thin.
0: I want to talk defense, but I'm going to make a little detour first because the news today, Josh Gordon uh, is going to be allowed to play the last two games. And just one, what does that mean? And two, how does that whole pro- what Why are they waiting to two games? before the season if they if they've made the decision why can't he play next week
2: uh, because well they, they, it's usually a two-week period on the exempt list before you can come once you come off a of suspension because particularly now i mean he's going to take him five days to get tested with the COVID uh, tests and all that and so then it gives him a week to kind of you know see how he is in shape and all that and so that's kind of the way it is and you know they, they did the same thing with randy gregory only they let him know earlier and got it more public i mean this was the most quiet thing that you can have i feel for sorry for josh and I hope that when Josh has his first interview, that he opens up and says, hey, tell us what happened, because no, the league's not going to say anything because of the union, and that's you know one of the policies, that they have to stay quiet for the most part until the suspension is either given or lifted, and the team's not going to say anything, I guess, out of you know, better, better for him. But obviously, things didn't go right for uh, most of the first 13 weeks, but now apparently he's done enough to be able to do it. Now, I know in the offseason, particularly when he started to apply, there may not have been enough Testers out there because of the cobits to be able to test him, and so that could be a problem. But, uh, you know, you might, he might have had a couple tests. He might have done something wrong. That one, we just don't know. But for the Seahawks, it's great to get him back because you get, particularly in the last two games, which is so important the Rams and the 49ers, you know, he's going to be a great asset, and also then he can be available for the playoffs.
0: You know, not to beat it too much because, you know, sometimes the NFL, you're just going you know, the decisions they make. But obviously, things don't just fit in a box. Do so you think, let's just say it it's Nothing major, maybe it was it was just marijuana it, do you think it was just the number of times that he had issues it, it, rather than the actual event,
2: I guess? Could be, but also remember, when he got the suspensions, and I say plural, last year, he had one that was for the uh, substance, which you figure is going to be marijuana, and the second was going to be for a PED. So maybe it's not out of the question. He got a couple PEDs. Maybe he got the marijuana. Maybe they – and again, one thing is with the marijuana, they're not – penalizing that anymore that's just a fine so I don't know if he predates things I mean there's so many loose issues in this right now that Josh if you're listening make sure you kind of explain it to us all so we all understand
1: who knows what's going on John who knows let's talk about Russell Wilson now the last couple of weeks he has been a little conservative when it comes to I guess his decision making do you feel like not being in the MVP race has kind of allowed him to not feel like he has to force the ball down the field
2: well, I, I think that, uh, you know, he kind of learned from the three out of four games where he had the 10 turnovers. And so I think that, uh, you know, just to concentrate. But also think about what he's had to go through. I mean, first, two weeks in the Arizona game, he had to play with uh, Damian Lewis at center, and Damian hadn't been at center since junior college. And so here he was making a quick transition. And, you know, you can see he was a little bit shaky on it. Did as good of a job as you can expect for somebody that hadn't done it since junior college. And so you're, you do this. And, of course, here they're playing a good Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles defense that has a good pass rush, and you don't have your right tackle Brandon Shell, and so that became a little bit of a problem. And I think that you know the big thing that he wanted to make sure is like, okay, what's more important right now? The MVP race, where he's still in the top three. He's probably you know behind uh, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes right now, but he's still good enough right now to be in the top three, and he can still finish strong, particularly if he gets wins and touchdown passes to be able to still get that MVP. But I think what he's more worried about is keep the touchdowns up and try to keep the turnovers down
1: john is this the first year he gets a vote
2: well he always gets a vote it's just a matter that and that's a misinterpretation because you know i'm on the ap 50 and uh you know what it is is that uh, they only put out the winner they don't put out the votes and so because of that uh you know it, it looks like you know he's ignored but usually what happens and i know one of the questions that was asking me today was, okay, so what are the main criterias? Well, certainly, wins and being a number 1, number 2 seed for a quarterback is the, the, one of the most important, and if you have a lot of touchdown passes, that's the most important, or a lot of stats. And so, you know, the, you figure whether it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, whether it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, or Russell Wilson, you know, the, the quarterback with the most wins, I think, has the best chance to be able to do it, because remember, you vote at the end of the season. You don't vote into the playoffs. You're not taking any of the playoff games into account
0: you know that obviously the defense struggled early in the year last three and a half games pretty good actually if you Average it out there under 300 yards a game uh, over that that time frame, and they've had some guys get to play. I mean, DJ Reed got to play. Uh, you got uh, uh, Ryan Neal got to play when Jamal Adams was hurt. Now you got Ugo Amadi back. Um, just talk about some injuries here. One, where's Quentin Dunbar, and when he comes back, does he take over the starting spot?
2: I don't think he takes over the starting spot. It depends on who's healthy and who's not. Like for example, if Trey Flowers is still nursing the hamstring injury then it would go over to Dunbar but uh you know technically what Pete was saying this week is that he's healthy enough right now probably to be able to play but they put him on the list for 3 weeks and so he needs one more week to serve and so he should be back for the for the New York Jet game <laughs> but I think that you know uh, but he's definitely set right now for the Ram game how much he plays is going to be depending on how that knee is and how well he can do
1: John, the 49ers found a new home in Arizona. Are you surprised that Santa Clara did not make an exception for this team to play football?
2: I am because it's pretty strict, but then it was really the county that did that, and that's why Stanford and a couple of the other colleges had to lose their ability to practice and their ability to uh, have home games. And so that was more the county than anything else. But they've been so strict. And, you know, there's still a little resentment right now between the San Jose politicians and the 49ers. And that's a little bit of a problem. But right now, I still like the story that Kyle Shanahan said, for the three weeks you're going to be in Arizona, is this going to be a bonding thing for the team? And he looked at him and says, you know, he kind of struggled a little bit. And says, no, it's like. <laughs> after the saint game what we ended up doing is having nine players like almost eight or nine players or a bunch of players having a 30 minute dinner together and nine guys got on the covid list because of it so no there's no bonding going to be in this three week period
0: John, real quick about uh, Dunlap, just a quick update. What do, what do we know about him?
2: Oh, right now, I, I, I think it's going to be shaky because he's got the foot injury. He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. I think they're going to be cautious about it. But Pete Carroll did say he does think he has a chance to play. So I guess we'll see what he can do tomorrow and then what he can do in the pregame warmups. All
0: right, John, my favorite time. It's
2: your time. What do you want to talk about? Well, I tell you, nobody's asked me about some of the Pro Bowl voting right now and where the Seahawks stand, and so the list came out today that the fan vote, and right now, the DK Metcalf is third, second in the NFC, right behind DeAndre Hopkins. Russell Wilson, of course, number two overall. Uh, you know, you got Tyler Lockett at, at the eighth pick, but he's like the fifth pick in the NFC. You know, right now, the best special teams player is Belore. He's uh, right now at the highest vote. That's kind of interesting. You know, Bobby Wagner's obviously in here. Here's one that uh, DeAndre Diggs uh, is right now number two uh, as the free safety, so he has a chance. You Jamal Adams is going to be in there. You've got Michael Dixon as the number two punter. Uh, and so uh, so I think they're going to come out pretty well in the Pro Bowl. It's not going to be like eight or nine, but they're going to do great. Dwayne, Dwayne Brown right now is number five in the voting, so he has a chance to maybe get into the Pro Bowl.
1: So there's some things we can count on, John. We can count on Seahawks being represented in the Pro Bowl, and we can count on you keeping it funky, baby. Thanks Absolutely. for joining us, John.
2: Makes my funks a pee-funk.
1: <laughs> Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks, John. All right, has the NFL figured out Kyler Murray? Is Tom Brady the problem in Tampa? It's about to get live. Paul, Moore and I will talk that talk coming up next on Hawks Live.